We're in the middle of a teaching series. So what we do here at C3 is we take a theme or we take a book of the Bible or subject and we explore it over a number of weeks. We've been exploring this one over a few months. It's called the Apostles' Creed, I believe. And we've been taking time just to explore this creed. It's an ancient statement of faith, but it's still relevant for today. And so we're going to actually do something that's a little bit weird and doesn't happen in every um, series that we do. We've never done this before as a church, but if any of you got any kind of church background, you probably have done in other kind of settings, but we've never done this. We're going to actually repeat the creed by reading it. Don't worry if you don't believe it. It's not like some kind of incantation that suddenly gets hold of you. It's just simply many of us believe this, and you can explore with us tonight what we believe. We believe this helps us because it connects us in history. We've got deep roots in our Christian faith. It also roots us in orthodoxy. We are not weird, some kind of new group that's emerged. It separates us from the dominant narrative, the big story that's in our 21st century is that there's no meaning or purpose. We believe there is. And most of all, it reflects to us the Bible so it can be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. So this is really helpful for us. So if you're able, would you stand with me? And we're going to say this together, the Apostles' Creed, loudly, all right, with conviction. Or just pretend you've got conviction if you haven't, all right. Here we go. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Please take your seats. The way the Apostles' Creed is written is divides nicely into three sections. So you've got the first part is, I believe in the Father Almighty, Creator. So that's about Father God. That's about how powerful He is. It's three words that are used in just two lines, but three very descriptive words. He's Father. In case you wonder what God is like, He's the best Father that anyone could have. That's good to say on Father's Day. He's a good Father. He's Almighty, which confirms he has ability to do anything he likes. You ever wondered what God's like? He's a good Father, and He's Almighty. Then there's this other word, He's Creator, which points us towards Him as the source, the originator of everything. So three descriptive words, two lines about the Father. That's the first part of the creed. Then the second part is about Jesus the very center of everything we do. The center point of history is the cross of Jesus Christ. And when it talks about Jesus, there are 10 lines devoted to him. So two for Father God, 10 for Jesus. And these lines describe what is the essence of the Christian message. Jesus is the Son of God, born supernaturally to a virgin, suffered by going to a cross, died, buried, entered the realm of the dead, rose from the dead, ascended to heaven to the place at the right hand of the Father. One day he's going to return to judge the living and the dead. 
And so you've got 10 lines about Jesus, two lines about the Father. And then we get to this third part, which is about the third member of the Trinity. The Trinity is a mysterious yet majestic concept where God is three persons yet one. And it gets to this third part, so we've had 10 words about, 10 lines about Jesus, two lines about Father God. Now we're coming to the third member, so he's, he's equal, he's not God less than. And he's going to describe to us something about the Holy Spirit. Here we have it. Ready? This is about the third one. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Full stop. Thank you for coming out tonight. That's the end of the message on the Holy Spirit, because that's all the creed says. I believe in the Holy Spirit. That's it. Doesn't, doesn't really fill out much more. Six words, one sentence. Two for the Father, ten for the Son, one for the Holy Spirit. What's going on here? Is it just that simple or is it something else? One guy, Chuck Warnock, who I read his uh, sermons on this, he says this. At first glance, one might look at the creed and think that there's only one line devoted to the Holy Spirit. And that line is not very descriptive. I believe in the Holy Spirit, period, end of sentence. But actually, he writes, a semicolon resides at the end of that phrase, connecting the person of the Holy Spirit to everything which follows. In other words, he writes, in, in our belief, the Holy Spirit acknowledges that it's the Holy Spirit who gives power to the church, unites the saints, regenerates sinners, breathes resurrection life into transformed body, and sustains us all in the life everlasting. Now, I've done my research. I can't find anyone else that talks about a semicolon, and I can't find any creed that's stated that's got a semicolon at the end of I believe in the Holy Spirit. No one else seems to do that. So I'm not sure about his punctuation and what he says, but what I do know is that the Bible goes on exactly like he says. So I may not agree that there's a semicolon. We're not going to fight over it. But I do believe this, that the Bible shows us that the Holy Spirit is indeed the active agent of the Godhead, of the Trinity, in the world today and throughout history, and especially in the church. So when we read in the Bible that God formed the world, it says the Spirit was hovering over the face of the deep. He was there and present. When we read in the Bible that Jesus was sent into the world, a virgin was conceived, she conceived by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is active. When Jesus goes out into the wilderness to be tempted, it says he's led by the Spirit. When he returns, he returns in the power of the Spirit. When there's the resurrection day for the Christians, it says that the Spirit raised him from the dead, so it will raise us from the dead. The same Spirit that lives in Christ lives in us. If you are born again, which is not an American term for Christians, it's a Bible term. When you are born again, it's because the Holy Spirit does a miraculous work on the inside of us to old-fashioned word, quicken us so that we're made alive in Christ. So the Spirit is most definitely at work, and he's right. The rest of what we're going to look at next week and the week after concerning the creed, we can truly say this is a work of the Spirit. So in one sense, we're looking at the work of the Holy Spirit for these next few weeks because he does do all of these things. Next week, we're going to look at this little phrase, the Holy Catholic Church. Now, that's really thrown some people here. 
We've had people ask questions. I thought there would have been other things that they've asked questions about, but they keep asking us questions about this one. What somebody said, I'm not prepared to say that line because I'm not sure I believe in the Catholic Church. I didn't know we were Catholic. Now listen to me very carefully. We're not. It doesn't mean Roman Catholic, and it doesn't mean Anglo-Catholic. It doesn't say that. It says the one holy Catholic Church. And that word Catholic does not relate to Rome or to England, Anglican in any way. That word Catholic relates to universal. So it's about the church in history, everyone who's been a follower of Christ in history, and it's about the church all over the world. Wherever you go, you'll find people of God, the church. And the word Catholic, it's a good word. I know we were a bit ignorant about it, but now you're not, so you can repeat it. The word Catholic means universal, and we can make that statement because we believe there is one holy Catholic church. Did I hear an amen? It means we're one people of God. It means that by the Spirit, and these are the verses I put in your notes here, that by the Spirit, there is one church. Jesus only has one wife, and it's called the Holy Catholic Church. So as you know, I was away in Jordan a few weeks ago, and we were visiting some works that were going on there in feeding children, and we visited one uh, guy, this guy in the middle here, Father Khalil, who is um, a Roman Catholic priest, all right, just to be clear, a Roman Catholic priest. Someone said that lady there who was with us looks like Wonder Woman. I, I, I'm, does anyone agree? I, I think I've seen Wonder Woman, but it's not Wonder Woman. Uh, I can't remember her name, but she was with us. But this is Father Khalil. Father Khalil, in the middle, he takes responsibility for feeding 850 families every single day who are Iraqi refugees in the city there of Amman. He said that a lot of the world's focus has gone off Iraqi refugees onto Syrian refugees because of the crisis there and they've been neglected. So he took it on himself to look after 850 families. He talks about miracle provision and the way God provides food for them. We went into his church building and we saw some of the educational programs that he does for them. Absolutely fantastic. But he said this to us. He said, yeah, God provides miraculously, but God provides through Christians. And he said, the only problem is, I'm a Roman Catholic, he said, it's mainly evangelicals that give towards the work that I do. So he said, I wrote to the Pope, the Holy Father. And he said, I told him, Holy Father, it's only evangelicals that help us, not the Roman Catholic Church. And the Pope wrote back to him. And he showed us the letter. And the Pope said to him, it doesn't matter where you get the money from because all people who love our Lord Jesus are the body of Christ. You heard it here from the Pope. And not me, but from uh, via them to you. Even the Pope knows there's only one church. It's not the Roman Catholic Church. It's the Holy Catholic Church. And the way people are joined to that church is through being born again by a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to look at our time together, just in half an hour that we've got, of some important points, some important information about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to start with this. How many of you here have some 
pet peeves in life. So, for example, if an apostrophe is put in the wrong place in a sentence, how many of you get bothered by that? Anybody here? No? Yeah. Good. There's a few here. Let's come forward now and we'll lay hands on you and deliver you from the spirit of apostrophe. So we, we know it can be a peeve. How many of you here, we live in Cambridge. How many of you pet peeve when cyclists jump red lights? Oh, a few more now. You can have two pet peeves, by the way. I'm going to make a confession tonight. A few weeks ago, I was cycling down Mill Road, and the light, well, it was on red. I looked both ways. I thought, I'm going to go. So I went over the crossroads by Romsey Mill there. I just got over the other side, and I looked over to the traffic lights and the, the uh, traffic, and then the front car sitting there was one of our community pastors in the driving seat. In fact, he's here tonight, Stuart Yates. A round of applause for Stuart Yates. I saw him, and all I can say to you is the guilt. <laughs> I thought, oh, no. So when I, felt, I think this is true, Stuart, when I saw it, I said, I, I just want to apologize for, you saw me going through the red light. I don't think you'd even noticed, had you? No, he hadn't even noticed. I wasted a confession. <laughs> he hadn't even noticed. And I felt so ashamed. Pet peeve. My wife has a pet peeve. If anyone, especially if any of our family, refer to her as she. She has a little phrase afterwards. Any of you know it? Who's she? The cat's mother? I did a little bit of research on that. It's an ancient saying, apparently, about not knowing your parentage. And so she gets offended. Whether you knew that, but <laughs> she gets offended. I'm not just a she. I'm your mother. Pet peeve. We could go around the room tonight and find our pet peeves. I'm going to share with you a few of mine. It's nothing to do with what I'm speaking about, really. Just it helps me. It makes me feel better. Here's my pet peeve number one. Why? Are Christians always so late for church services? Hello? Why? What is it? It's, it's an imponderable mystery to me. Like, did Adam have a belly button? Or why is there a, a teaspoon in the bottom of a, the sink every time that you do the dishes? Why is there always one left? Same issue about Christians. Why are so many Christians so late for services? Don't know. Just a pet peeve. Second peeve. And I do let this one go, honestly. I, I do. It really, it, it doesn't make me a bitter man, I don't think. When people call a building like this, the church, because of a theolo theological framework of thinking that I have, a theological construct in my mind, when someone says, this is the church, inside something it always goes, no, this is a building that houses the church when we meet here. And I always remember the verse, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I thought, Jesus didn't die for a building. As important as this is, Jesus died for people, the church. So it's, it's a pet peeve. And they're kind of important, but this is a really important pet peeve, this next one. Because this is about what I'm speaking about. When the Holy Spirit is referred to as an it. As an it. So I hear language like this, maybe from some of you. Never again in my presence are you to say this. Have you received it? Can you 
feel it. Oh, I really felt it tonight. Have you been filled with it? Do you know what that does? It makes the Holy Spirit so impersonal. And it, not only is it impolite, but it dilutes his effectiveness in an individual's life as some kind of external force rather than a person who's a close companion. And here in your notes is the first blank if you've got them. The Holy Spirit is a person. We could spend the whole of this evening, but by the way, I can't cover everything about the person of the Holy Spirit in one 30-minute talk. And so don't write to me saying, oh, you missed this out. Of course I missed stuff out tonight. I'm just telling you certain things about the Holy Spirit. And we could take the whole evening and more going through scriptures about the Holy Spirit and attributes of his personality. That he is a person. So I put some in your notes here. He has intellect. He has a will. He feels strongly. Look at this one in Ephesians. He can be grieved. The Apostle Paul warns us not to grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And you can only grieve a person. You can't grieve an idea, a force, or an impersonal entity. Guys, the Holy Spirit is a person. Now, the second point. Because he's a person, you can, you must, this is an imperative, you must have a relationship with him. You must have a relationship with him. Now, he's not only the Holy Spirit as a person, he's the Holy Spirit as God. So, he's not a person in the same way as you and me, but he's God as well. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When Jesus said to his disciples, go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name. The name is singular. And yet he then says in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are three yet one. Mysterious, I know. And so the Holy Spirit is God, but he's a person. The Apostle Paul, finishing off his letters to the Corinthians, writes this. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ the love of God, and here's a beautiful word, but one we don't really use or no understand, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. What's that word, fellowship? I feel like I must say it in that way. It's fellowship. It's an old-fashioned word, but meaning a relationship, a community. The best word I think for it, may you know the friendship of the Holy Spirit. It's a community. It's a connectivity. It's something of warmth and life, that word fellowship. The Holy Spirit, as a person, can be known and we can have a relationship with him. When Jesus spoke of the Spirit, he always spoke of him as a he. Now, what we've tended to do in churches like ours, we like to talk about the power dimension of the Spirit. And so we should, because he, he is powerful. So our favorite verse is Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And we always say, oh, the word there is dunamis, same, same as the word for dynamite. They didn't have dynamite then, so they weren't aware of that. You do know that, don't you? That's only later. It's, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. And we like that. We want the power. 
And when we talk about power, we have a particular framework of how we think that should function. And we want the power, and we need the power to be effective witnesses. But when Jesus first spoke about the coming of the Holy Spirit, that's not how he talked about him. These are the words Jesus used. These are in John chapter 14 and 2 to 16. He talked about the Holy Spirit as a comforter. And if you find stuff in life that goes on, you feel, I just need someone to comfort me. The Holy Spirit can do that. He talks about him as the counselor. Thank God for wise people who counsel us and give us some advice, hey? But the Holy Spirit is with you 24-7 to be your counselor as and when you need him. The same word is used for this, helper. One of my favorite prayers. If you want to know how to pray, this is a great prayer. Help me. And he's there to help you. The actual word in the Greek language is paraclete, which means to come alongside. You know the word para? We have paramedics, don't we, who come alongside and help. We have those that come alongside in our life even now. And Jesus says, it's better that I go away, so he was going to go to heaven, in order to send another, another one like him. Because he's a paraclete. But he says, it's better I go away, because he was just one person. Now we have the Holy Spirit who's present with us all, all the time. And I'm going to send another, the paraclete, the paracletos. And he's going to come, and he's going to be alongside you. You see, right now, there's a paraclete in heaven. His name is Jesus. And what he does is he acts on our behalf to the Father. Because there's another word that's used in the book of John for the Holy Spirit. And it's the advocate. And Jesus, likewise, is the word that's used of him. And he, Jesus, is in heaven. The Bible says, interceding on our behalf. So, when a devil, and there is a devil comes and whispers in a believer's ear, you're not good enough. Why? Who do you think you are? There's a paraclete in heaven, Jesus, who's saying to the Father, uh-uh, he's one of us. He's my son, he's my daughter. And in the same way, the Holy Spirit comes alongside us, and he says to us, do you know who you are? You belong to God. If you're a believer, a follower of Christ. When I was a, a child, I was five years of age when this happened to me. My brother, my big brother got married. My big brother's tw uh, 15 years older than me. And at his wedding, in my brother's first wedding, we had a family photo. You know how it is? Two families come together, big smile. And I've got a photo at home where me, five years of age, all the family are over there. And I'm standing at the side with my hands crossed and my head down, lips sticking out. And I remember this. What happened was we then have another photo, and I'm back in the center of the fold with the family. And what had happened was I got separated from the family, and I just stood to one side. And the photographer, let's call him the devil, he shouted out when he saw me over there, Hey, who's that kid in the photograph? Get out of the way. And I remember feeling so forlorn. <laughs> and this devil photographer was accusing me. I had no right to be there. Well, what happened then was my uncle, 
big Jim Campbell, and I'm not making that up, that's how he was known, because he was six foot four, big guy. My uncle Jim shouted out at the devil, or the photographer, hey, that's our Steve. And big Jim Campbell came out of the family photo, grabbed my arm, brought me back into the center with the family, stood me there in the middle, and he said, smile. And I smiled. And some of you, there's a devil, not a photographer, but he tells you you're not good enough. You don't belong. Even coming in here tonight, some of you have heard that. What are you doing going to church? Who do you think you are? There's a devil that says you're never good enough. You'll never be good enough. But there's a God in heaven and there's a paraclete alongside you, a comforter, a counselor, a helper. And he's got to be louder in your ear than any devil. And the comforter is saying to you, yes, you do. You belong. Some of you feel so guilty. Who am I? What am I? How can I? There's a devil that accuses you, but there's a paraclete. There's one called alongside. There's a Holy Spirit person who's there saying, not guilty. Because of Jesus, not guilty. You're clean because of Jesus. If you're a Christian and a follower of the way, when God looks at you, he looks at you to filter through the sacrifice of all that Jesus did. He says, you're not guilty. Not guilty. There's one who comes alongside. We can, we must have a relationship with him. And then I want to finish and draw in with this last point. One of the major works of this active agent in the earth today, in our lives today, is that he confirms our identity. It's the third point. Do you know who you are? Listen to this from Romans chapter 8. And by him, this is by the Spirit, you receive the spirit of sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba. Daddy, Father, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children, children of God. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Indeed, if we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So the Holy Spirit comes alongside and within you, and he confirms with your spirit, do you know who you are? When we were on sabbatical, one of the things, as a joke, when we were with our family, we'd go to different places and we'd have to queue or we'd have to uh, wait in line or someone would stop us. So I, I adopted this little phrase only while I was on sabbatical, which was, do they know who I am? And the family would kind of mock and scoff me. Yeah, that's why they've stopped you. Uh, so I'd go onto the plane, I'd try to go to business class and they'd stop me because I hadn't paid for it. I'd just say, do they know who I am? Do you know who you are? Because the Holy Spirit will confirm in you, you belong to God. And I was watching, a, well, I, was, I wasn't watching, I was online on Facebook, and someone tagged this, and I, I looked it up, from America's Got Talent. America's Got Talent's coming to Cambridge right now. And I saw this audition of a guy, and we've got to watch the whole audition in order to get the story. And then they interviewed him and his family in his home, which will come up afterwards. And I want you to watch this through the filter of thinking that this guy is really like the Holy Spirit. The way he has adopted some children, you'll see it. And the way he confirms in them their capacity and their capabilities as his children.
Because that's what the Holy Spirit does with us. Do you know your identity? Watch this and think of the Holy Spirit's work. Hello. Hello, hello. How are you? Nervous. <laughs> it's okay. And what's your name, please? My name is Michael Ketterer. Where are you from? I'm originally from East Tennessee, but right now I live in Orange County. And tell me a bit about you. What do you do for a living? I'm a pediatric mental health nurse. Yeah. Okay. And what are you going to be doing for us? Are you a singer? Yes, sir. So this is kind of a different direction, you coming on a show like this, Michael. So tell me what the thought process was. What's, what's the ambition, the dream here? Well, um, my family's my reason why I'm here. My wife and my six children. Six, six. children. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, one of the things that happens, especially because my children came out of foster care, when you're surviving, you can't dream. And that has been one of the most rewarding things, is providing them with a home and a safe environment where they're free to dream. That's nice. And so I'm here because I want to show them that if their dad can live out his dreams, then nothing's impossible for them. Good for you. Okay, Michael, well, listen, we're all rooting for you. Thank you. Michael, you know what? 
when we find singers on these shows, is it about being technical or is it about being relevant? And sometimes for me, it's just about being real and a surprise, if I'm being honest with you, because you were so nervous, I was concerned for you. But I think sometimes actions speak louder than words. Sometimes actions speak louder than words. That right there was one of the greatest moments ever on America's Got Talent. Simon Cowell punching that golden buzzer for a singer who simply wanted to inspire his kids, including five foster children. I think it's safe to say he did just that. And now we're at home with this special dad. And though you'll never know. I mean, what was going on in your head when he hit that button? It was like I went from being that place of, of nervous to just pure joy and just being overwhelmed when he hit that buzzer. It was one of the greatest feelings I've ever felt. Long before marrying his high school sweetheart, Ivy, America's Got Talent contestant, pediatric nurse Michael Ketterer, grew up singing in church. You start realizing other things that kind of mean more to you than even your, your greatest dreams. And I think to me it was being able to adopt these children and being able to impact the lives of children. I'll spin you around, okay? I think we're the best team on the planet. I can tell. Yeah, yeah. couldn't yeah. do it without her. Michael and Ivy decided to pursue adoption when their daughter Sophie asked for brothers. The couple went on to adopt five boys from foster care, starting with brothers Jared, Chase, and Jariah. Hey! Next came Sean, who at one point was homeless on the streets. Did you guys have fun being at backstage at America's Got Talent and meeting Tyra Banks? Yeah. yeah what was she like? She was she was she's cool. really nice she's and, really cool. and funny. She's yeah. Pretty. She's so pretty, right? Then a call they never expected to get. Meet Rodrigo, affectionately known as Roddy. My turn. Mm -hmm. Rod, it's your turn. You're up, man. The nine-year-old suffers from cerebral palsy. Despite his bright smile, Roddy never was able to communicate until he met his new family. When we first got him, he, he couldn't talk because he was shaking infant. So he was abused by his caregiver, and that's what, what gave him cerebral palsy. Uh, prior to that, he was totally normal. But once we got him, because he couldn't speak, he loved to hear the music, and he loved to feel the rhythms of the music. So, yeah, so I would spend a lot of my time with him, communicating, basically, with him through song. of preparing this and I just felt that guy 
so like the Holy Spirit. He comes alongside those that are broken, those that need a family, us. He connects us and then cheers us on and says, come on, you can do it. I'm going to finish with a prayer. I'm going to ask us in a moment just to stand. And this is a prayer where you can invite the Holy Spirit into your life. To be with you moment by moment. To be counselling, comforting, helping, friends. There's always further we can go. This is my prayer. I want it to be yours. Let's stand together. Close our eyes. If you're comfortable with this, just lift up your hands in order to receive. And I'm going to pray live. And then I'm going to ask you, if you want to, to repeat the line as well in order to receive. Pray this. I believe in you, Holy Spirit. Will you fill me? Help me to be aware of your voice. And your presence with me every single day. Teach me of Jesus. Reveal the Father to me. Comfort me. Counsel me. Help me.